0: Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Two years ago today, Francis the Great and Merciful earned his title of Paca papa Francis, a title that I had invented as a way of attempting to lighten things up just a bit when covering these weird topics. But somehow that title has taken on a life of its own and has been seen on social media being applied to him by people I have never met. Fair enough, I guess, and I've almost retired the term as a consequence, but today I'm going to explain to you some details about how and why he earned that title, through covering really two things. Teilhard Deshardins The Thing, which I've mentioned before, but I'm going to explain it in the context of Pacamama itself, the event we saw, some details about the event that have been underreported, including Francis's history with being really focused on the Andes and Peru, as well as a secular, non-Catholic organization that is very intimately connected with all this. And Francis' obsession with the Andes in Peru was something I was reminded of when we got our first glimpse of the 2021 Vatican nativity scene, which, to be sure, isn't nearly as jaw-droppingly bad-looking as the 2020 nativity scene was, but is itself focused again on the Andes, which is the home of adoration of the demon Pacamama. I'll start this by doing something I rarely do publicly. St. Francis of Assisi, whose feast day was soiled by the enthronement of Pacamama in the Vatican Gardens on this day in 2019, pray for us and for the Church. Let's get into this. I want to thank an anonymous listener who gave me an interesting outline of things they've come across over the years about Pacamama, specifically the Pacamama Alliance. They tell me that they, meaning the listener, went to the Jesuit University of San Francisco, where there are some interesting connections to the Pacamama incident. In the 1960s, the future, but now in our time, former head of state of Peru, Alejandro Toledo, attended USF as a student. He was brought to the U.S. by Peace Corps volunteers who would themselves go on to lead the Peace Corps, Joel Meister and Nancy Deeds, who were at one time married but are in the eyes of the world no longer so. Fast forward to 1995, where in San Francisco, home of these two figures, the Pacamama Alliance is founded again, by former Peace Corps volunteers who lived in Peru for a time. It was founded by John Perkins and Bill and Lynn Twist, major figures in the green work in America today. They begin by bringing people to the rainforest in Peru with their Pacamama journeys. That's kind of what their work is focused on. Now, according to the Alliance website, quote, We began to bring other people from the modern world to the rainforest. Pacamama journeys began in 1996, offering a direct experience of a Cure Wisdom and the Pacamama Alliance's Vision. End quote. In July 2001, Peruvian head of state Toledo holds a ceremony for Pacamama on the mountaintop of Machu Picchu, which is described by one source as a, quote, symbolic inauguration for his time in office. End quote. The ceremony featured a Quecua religious elder giving an offering to Pacamama. Now, that seems strange for a country that is on paper Catholic, right? This organization has its tentacles in the American college system. It's not that surprising for most people, I'm sure. Here's an excerpt from their program in the University of San Francisco, which is again a Jesuit university. Quote, as a result of participating in this seminar and through our ongoing outreach to professors, the Pacamama Alliance is now a recognized and recommended community partner for professors to collaborate with to provide for service learning projects to their students. The students pick from a list of organizations to work with, usually local nonprofits, providing projects which are approved by the professor and integrate with them what they are learning in the class. This semester, we hosted 12 learners from USF. Some provided office assistance to staff working on fundraising, marketing, and administrative support. Others worked on a plan to green the office, conducting research and providing valuable suggestions for us to become a green certified organization. Another team worked with Eve to increase visibility and awareness to the work of the work the Pacamama Alliance is engaged in on campus, assisted at our monthly gatherings in March and April in San Francisco, and marketed and supported our first symposium at USF hosted and sponsored by student environmental and groups, end quote. The purpose of the Pacamom Alliance is, on paper, rather simple. It's just another of many green organizations that promote the program of organized tree adoration in the name of stewardship and preservation. It uses the university system for interns who will work for free on low-level tasks while the leadership gets the real work done. What sets it apart is its rather overt origins in the Andean jungles, and its ties to literal demons. They have a huge history of intrigue in real-world work, including a sister organization getting axed in Ecuador in 2013 for interfering with government oil company grants, which in general is seen as a no-no anywhere you go in the world. That's remarkable by itself, but its purpose being included here is to show you what the organization is really all about. It's not just a green organization, but one that operates using fringe methods that even most adherents to the ideas on the green spectrum would reject. This is where we get to the Vatican and to Francis himself lynn twist one of the founders of the pacamama alliance met with francis several years ago here's an excerpt for a blog post written by twist on this meeting Quote, i am overflowing with inspiration and gratitude i have just arrived home from a wonderful trip to rome to see our son basil who was there on fellowship it was a beautiful family vacation and also we had some incredible opportunities that were nothing short of miraculous through one of our colleagues in Ecuador, Romero Crespo, a high-level business leader who sits on the board of directors for the Pacamama Alliance's work in Ecuador, we had the opportunity to meet the ambassador to the Vatican from Ecuador, José Luis Álvarez. José Luis is an absolutely spectacular guy, and he became very engaged with us in the work of the Pacamama Alliance. He arranged for my husband and Pacamama Alliance co-founder Bill Twist and myself to meet with the five key ambassadors to the Vatican from Amazonian countries. Ecuador, Peru, Colombia, Bolivia, and Brazil. We met with all of them at once, created a relationship, and informed them about the work of the Pacamama Alliance and our commitment to protect the sacred headwaters of the Amazon. End quote. Okay, so that's just to give you an idea of the level of influence these folks run in, the circles of influence they have access to. But here's the key part. Quote, as you may know, Pope Francis's encyclical on the environment, Laudato Si', is the first time any pope in history has addressed and taken on the issue of the preservation of the natural world." End quote. Alright, first, that's not even remotely close to being true. Every Vatican II pope talked about it from Paul VI to Benedict XVI, and Benedict was dubbed the Green Pope. For those watching on YouTube, here's a copy of a book by that title, and notice that it's Ratzinger on the cover. Yeah, that's my hand holding the book. I own a copy of it. I cited it in my doctoral dissertation. But well, let's continue, quote, In addition, last July, Pope Francis met privately with a delegation of our indigenous partners from the Amazon. They asked him to rescind the papal doctrine of discovery, which dates back to the 15th century popes, who mandated the explorers to essentially go to the New World, take the land, and, uh, we'll just say two things that are not mentionable on any platform. Indigenous peoples have asked the last three popes to rescind that doctrine, and up until last year, nothing happened. However, at that meeting in July, Pope Francis agreed to rescind the papal doctrine of discovery. We are told that meeting was key and it inspired Pope Francis to rethink the Church's relationship with the Amazon as well as the Church's relationship with the local population. As a result, Pope Francis has committed to convene a synod, an assembly of bishops in the Roman Catholic Church, in October 2019. This synod will have a focus on protecting the Amazon and addressing the needs of the local population who inhabit the vital ecosystem. We are able to discuss the synod with the ambassadors and to get their take on what is possible there. It was amazing. End quote. I suspect she's misrepresenting that that papal doctrine in question, and if you'd be interested in in that, in me going deeper into that in the the future, let me know, because I have my suspicions that that is not exactly an accurate uh, presentation of what the popes in the 15th and 16th century actually said. But anyway, the key segment is long, so I thought I'd break it up for you. Lynn Twist and these groups are not members of the church. The organizations are not affiliated in any way with the church, even as lay organizations. And there is nothing here rooted in any way in the faith. Bear that all in mind because they are getting something that Cardinal Burke could not get. They're getting face-to-face time with Francis before the Amazon Mm -hmm. Synod and enthronement of Pacamama and after the issuing of the Dubia. This was at a time when Francis was meeting with very important figures from the Leviathan, all the would-be Caesars who wanted to use the green topic to further their own unrelated aims. Things we're seeing, frankly, now unfolding in real time. But let's continue while you bear all that in mind. Quote. Then, José Luis, the Ecuadorian ambassador to the Vatican, arranged for us to participate in an audience with Pope Francis. I want to share with you the amazing moments Basil and I had with Pope Francis. We were so fortunate and blessed, and I feel that it is my responsibility to pass on that blessing to you. Here is how it was. Basil and I were given very precious document-like invitations arranged for us by the Holy See. Note that they put Holy See in quotes there. We arrived at a private gate to the Vatican very early on Wednesday morning, January 9th, 2019. There were thousands of people in St. Peter's Square. We were escorted through all kinds of security, down some special corridors, past long lines of pilgrims, and finally into a room behind the stage of the Pope's Great Hall. Then we were brought into the gigantic hall and placed in the front row of the Wednesday audience of about 2,000 people. This took place in a huge auditorium inside Vatican City walls behind St. Peter's Cathedral. There were hundreds and hundreds of priests, nuns, students, pilgrims, monks, bishops, ministers, and seekers from all over the world assembled in the audience. When he entered the auditorium, Pope Francis came in from the back, flanked by security, and walked down the center aisle of the huge hall. When he came in, people cheered, jumped up and down, stood on their chairs, and cried. It was like a kind of holy rock concert. The Pope greeted as many people as he could as he walked slowly down the center aisle of this huge auditorium. Packed. Then, when he reached the front of the hall, he walked up the steps to a grand stage and sat in his chair to address the crowd. Then he headed toward us. It was such a thrill to watch him as he generously spoke to each one of the approximately 40 people who were seated in our special cordoned-off section right in the front. When he came to Basil and me, I took his hand in both of mine, and he took my hands in both of his, and I thanked him, through my tears, for his brilliant encyclical on the environment, Laudato Si. I told him that we are so blessed to to work closely with the local population of the Amazon. I told him that all of us at the Pacamama Alliance are deeply grateful for his commitment to rescind the doctrine of discovery. I told him how blessed and grateful we are that he will convene a synod in October on protecting the environment and empowering the local population in that most critical part of the world. And I thanked him for his humility, courage, leadership, and profound love for humanity and the Earth. End very lengthy quote. It was not a personal audience, but he spoke to the representatives of this organization first after giving blessings to some newlyweds. And I want you to consider that for a moment, especially in light of the Dubia. And also, the hall they met in right behind St. Peter's was almost certainly the St. Paul audience hall, notorious for being serpentine in appearance, which is strangely appropriate here. This was before the Amazon Synod, before some very strange things happened there. Now, you know about the origin of these images, the tree planting which some who observe these kinds of fringe things say was an enthronement ceremony of Pacamama in the Vatican Gardens. You're doubtlessly familiar with the triumphant procession of the idols in St. Peter's Basilica and the placing of the idols over the bones of St. Peter and on historically significant altars in the Basilica. You've seen all that. You know the story of the idols taking a swim in the Tiber River. But let's revisit something. The Amazon Synod, Now, for those of you who might not be aware, the Amazon Synod was held in October 2019, just before all of our woes began, by the way, and was kicked off with the enthronement of Pacamama in the Vatican Gardens on the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi two years ago today. Pacamama is central to what the Amazon Synod was all about because we are talking about people here. Prelates and the secular participants alike were purely naturalistic in their worldview, meaning they have no theology per se, or faith at least not ours, or anything like that. They see the world in purely material terms, and Pacamama has been co-opted as a symbol for that work by the Amazon Synod's participants, as well as by figures associated with what Thomas Hobbes called the Leviathan and, and similar kinds of groups. So let's revisit that, because I'm going to make a point here for you. The purpose of the Amazon Synod, according to the Vatican, was this. From an article from 2019 just ahead of the Synod, published in the National Catholic Reporter, which described it this way, quote, The Synod of Bishops for the Pan-Amazon region seeks to identify new paths of evangelization, especially for the local population, and highlights the vital role the region plays in the physical integrity of the planet. And mostly quote. They use a word there that these days is a flag term here on YouTube, but I think you get the point. Now, compare that from a self-described Catholic outlet that isn't really Catholic at all, if you know anything about their history, to how a strictly secular outlet characterized it. From National Public Radio, quote, the synod of bishops for the Pan-Amazon region, held at the Vatican, is focusing on the environment and the local population's rights to their land and traditions, end quote. Their description also includes the world leading, world's leading naturalists and green evangelists being involved. But you see the difference in focus here. The Vatican is essentially acting as the convergence point for the green idea and its spiritual angle here, and that's where the pack mama ceremony comes into play. It was a nuptial union between the Church and the Spirit of the World, capital S for Spirit, capital W for the World. At the Packamama ceremony on October 4th, 2019, Francis received a strange blessing and a strange ring in what looks like a parody of a nuptial ceremony at the enthronement from a priestess of the idol. The striking thing is the acceptance by Francis of the Tacum ring. Most sources will tell you that the ring is associated with liberation theology, which is key here, and while true, is not the entirety of the story. But for brevity's sake, the adherents of liberation theology have adopted the Tecum Ring as a symbol of their work and beliefs, and by itself is something that should have most people dismissing Francis as someone the faithful should have any loyalty or respect for, as liberation theology is the only theology associated with the faith that was explicitly hammered by the Vatican after the Council, to the point where major figures associated with it were forced to backtrack in order to avoid excommunication by the Holy See after the Council when the church stopped really being into doing that kind of thing. Think about it. It's a pretty big deal to have the man the world sees as the vicar of Christ wearing one, and he did that at the ceremony. A tekum is a black-colored ring with a meaning that is carefully concealed by various groups the church has tussled with throughout history that are linked, quite literally, to Satan. These various meanings include what I call stonecuttery, as well as service to the demon recognized in South America as Inti, Amaru, or or Amaruka. And yes, I recognize that I'm saying their names wrong, but with demons, that is exactly what you do. The ring is also known as a symbol symbol of alliances with the demons, Pakamama, and some other entity known as Sakamama. Yeah, that's apparently real. It's also associated with nuptial blessings of the James Martin variety, as well as I said earlier, liberation theology. That's a whole bundle of demonic concepts, all associated with this one little black and gold wooden ring. The Tacum is made from a palm tree in the Amazon and has a ritual performed over it using demonic elements found commonly in the region from which it hails. I have a video from Vatican News of a demonic act showing this ring being infused by an authority within the adherence of Pacamama, And it's posted over at my sources blog at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast or the .org at the end. All my sources are posted there. You're going to want to check some of these out. Those who know about such things, including those who are adversaries to our faith, compare a Takum ring to a wand. A person accepting the ring takes possession of the cause of the person who presented the ring to them, making their cause their own. Francis not only received the tukum, but he wore the ring during the enthronement ritual. He also held the Pacamama idol and received an associated necklace. Francis' participation in the ritual, including the sacrificial offering burying requirement, means he publicly adored the demon Pacamama. Pakamama means Mother Earth in the ancient local tongue. Now, did he do it knowingly, or was he just doing it for his own secular goals? It would be easy to conclude the latter, but we've had other symbolic signs that he knew what he was doing, including this. For those of you not able to see it, it's his use of a strange staff called a stang, which is also associated with the demonic. It's clear that he has an allegiance to the secular, and at the very least, Pakamama represents this allegiance, this unity. But what is this unity? What does it entail? As the listener who sent me the initial sources on the Pacamama Alliance pointed out, this is all, at the end of the day, the Spiritus Mundi of Teilhard de Chardin, the Thing, as he initially called it. If you're not familiar with it, here is what he had to say about the need for everyone to embrace a new theology. Quote, Mankind, the spirit of the earth, the synthesis of individuals and peoples, the paradoxical conciliation of the element with the whole, and of unity with multitude, all of these are called utopian... And yet, they are biologically necessary. End quote. What he's saying there is really pretty simple if you boil down the unnecessarily complicated academic language. He's saying that it isn't an imperative that man, individually and collectively, must become integrated with one another and with the created world. That's what he's saying. That's not even something remotely compatible with the faith, yet it came from an ordained Jesuit priest. Where did he get this idea from? From what he called the thing. Chardin, whom I will go over in more detail in my next video explaining the origins of modernism, which will be appearing this month on a Saturday, was on a retreat in a remote place when he had what he would have called a mystical experience that really sounds like perfect possession to those familiar with that whole concept. He records the encounter in a book that is available online, and I have a link to the chapter. He explains all of this in painful detail, the whole experience linked in today's show notes. I do recommend you read it for yourself if you have the stomach for such things. Not everybody does. Chardin describes his encounter in this way, referring to himself in the third person in this encounter. Quote, the man was walking in the desert, followed by his companion, when the thing swooped down on him. From afar it had appeared to him, quite small, gliding over the sand, no bigger than the palm of a child's hand, as a pale fleeting shadow like a wavering flight of quail over the blue sea before sunrise or a cloud of gnats dancing in the sun at evening or whirlwind of dust at midday sweeping over the plain. The thing seemed to take no heed of the two travelers and was roaming capriciously through the wilderness. Then suddenly it assumed a set course and with the speed of an arrow came straight at them. And then the man perceived that the little pale cloud of vapor was but the center of an infinitely greater reality moving towards them without restriction, formless, boundless. The thing, as it approached them, spread outwards with prodigious rapidity as far as his eye could reach, filling the whole of space, while its feet brushed lightly over the thorny vegetation besides the torrent. Its brow rose in the sky like a golden mist with the reddening sun behind it. And all about it, the ether had become alive, vibrating palpably beneath the crude substance of rock and plants, as in summer the landscape quivers behind the overheated soil in the foreground. What was advancing towards them was the moving heart of an immeasurable, pervasive subtlety. The man fell prostrate to the ground, and hiding his face in his hands, he waited. A great silence fell around him. Then suddenly a breath of scorching air passed across his forehead, broke through the barrier of his closed eyelids, and penetrated his soul. The man felt that he was ceasing to be merely himself. An irresistible rapture took possession of him as though all the sap of all living things, flowing at one and the same moment into the two narrow confines of his heart, was mightily refashioning the feeble fibers of his being. And at the same time, the anguish of some superhuman peril oppressed him, a confused feeling that the force which had swept down upon him was equivocal, turbid, the combined essence of all evil and all goodness. The hurricane was within himself, and now, in the very depths of the being it had invaded, the tempest of life, infinitely gentle, infinitely brutal, was murmuring to the one secret point in the soul which it had not altogether demolished. End quote. What he is cer- describing certainly does not sound like a holy experience to me. It does not like, sound like something from heaven in any way. But that's not all he has to say on this, because he then began to dialogue with the thing. Quote, You called me. Here I am. Driven by the spirit far from humanity's caravan routes, you dared to venture into the untouched wilderness, grown weary of abstractions, of attenuations, of the wordiness of social life. You wanted to pit yourself against reality entire and untamed. You had need of me in order to grow, and I was waiting for you in order to be made holy. Always you have, without knowing it, desired me, and always have I been drawing you to me. And now i am established on you for life or for death you can never go back never return to commonplace gratifications or untroubled worship he who has once seen me can never forget me he must either condemn himself with me or save me with himself are you coming end quote. of course chardin accepted he swore that this was real that it was true and that it really happened And I haven't any idea who the companion was that he referenced in this book, nor do I know whatever became of him. But it is clear that it wasn't something Heaven-sent that he experienced, because nothing from Heaven needs to be made holy by the efforts of a lowly man. Chardin had this experience in August of 1919, a century and change before the Pacamama incident in Rome, and a century almost to the day that the Pacamama Alliance members had their brief encounter with Francis in the audience hall of St. Peter's Basilica. Chardin would go on to posit central theses for modernism, including his convoluted ideas of the Cosmic Christ, the Omega Point, and others, and would get quoted by John Paul II and Cardinal Ratzinger positively long after his own passing. His influence on the post-conciliar period is manifest most noticeably in the work of the institutions parading themselves around in our time as the Church, with the forces of the world in a perfect example of the synthesis he spoke of, whose only goal is to craft salvation in the material world by trying to achieve utopia. That is Chardin's legacy, at least in the Church. So what do you think about the ring and staff Francis proudly showed off at the Amazon Synod? I don't know, honestly. At the very least, it's a symbol of his adherence to Chardin's theology of synthesis and unity with the world, the nouveau théologie, the new theology. And given that the Amazon Synod featured secular figures that seemed extremely out of place at a Church Synod, that well may be what it was all about. But then again, it may have been something far different from that as well. What do you think about this let me know in the comments please and thanks for making it through this much longer than usual video to kick off your week with please say a prayer invoking the intercession of saint francis of assisi and our lady today for the defeat of the pachydemon and its modernist allies but again let me know what you thought about all this in the comments and like and subscribe if you haven't it really does help as always pray for the church i'm anthony stein ave maria